From 1875 until his death on July 14, 1881, one young man was notorious for stirring up controversy and eluding the law. Many say he killed 21 men, one for each year of his life. Others say it was closer to nine or ten. It was, after all, the wild, wild west. And when it was all said and done, the young expert horseman and gunslinger was taken out in the dark without a weapon on his person. This is the story of the teenage outlaw, William Henry McCarty Jr., better known as Billy the Kid. Hey, y'all, I'm Chris Calvert. And I'm her husband, Rob Potter. Welcome to Hitch to Homicide. For better or worse. Till death do us part. back everybody yes welcome 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 and for our friends over in luxembourg welcome 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 and you're not talking about the one in vegas right <laughs> no no the real luxembourg <laughs> yeah. well wherever you're listening be sure to like rate review you can subscribe to the podcast on just about any podcast platform yes. out there yep you can also watch our youtube channel yeah come on over be sure to join the In-Laws and Outlaws. That is our closed Facebook group. I just thought today the In-Laws and Outlaws, very appropriate for today's <laughs> podcast because we're going to be talking about outlaws. Yep, yep. I didn't know that much about Billy the Kid, and Rob will tell you this. I am not a fan <laughs> of Westerns. Yeah, yeah, and I've always wanted to score a Western film, and I haven't had my chance yet. And my mother, my late mother, God rest her soul, she loved Westerns. And I would be like, no, not doing a Western. <laughs> and she even said to me, you're un-American. <laughs> That's un-American not uh, to watch John Wayne in a Western. No, Nana. Just not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Not my thing. But this case is really interesting. And I've wanted to do something on him forever. He's such a young kid and did so much interesting life. So I thought we'd talk about Billy the Kid, and yeah. there's a little twist at the end. Oh, good. Okay. Before we get started, I want to thank some sources. PBS, Blazing Young Guns, Wikipedia, The New York Times, Legends of America, Wide Open Country, The Las Vegas Gazette, The Courier Journal, and Becoming Evil, Serial Killers of the Old West. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you ready? I am. All right, let's do it. William Henry McCarty Jr., a.k.a. William Henry Bonney, a.k.a. Billy the Kid, there you go. was born in 1859 before birth certificates were routinely issued. <laughs> There's a little bit of a dispute whether his birthday is September 17th or November 23rd of that year. But he was born into an Irish Catholic family of immigrants who had escaped the potato famine oh, wow. and come to New York City. Nice. His father was Patrick McCarty and his mother, Catherine Devine McCarty. 
He was baptized Patrick Henry McCarty hmm. at the Church of St. Peter on September 28, 1859. Okay. His father died around the end of the Civil War. And about the same time, Billy's mother contracted tuberculosis or hmm. consumption, as it was called then. Gotcha. And she was basically told, you need to move to a drier climate. Right. After New York, history traces Billy to Indianapolis, Indiana, where his mother and her two sons met William Henry Harrison Antrim. Okay. Now, the whole family moved with Antrim to Wichita, Kansas in 1870. And on March 1st, 1873, Catherine McCarty married William Antrim at the First Presbyterian Church in Santa Fe, New Mexico Territory. Okay. Because it's not a state. Right. And they moved the family to Silver City, New Mexico. Okay. Billy's stepfather worked as a bartender and a carpenter, but soon he got the prospecting bug mm. and virtually ignored his wife and stepsons. Okay. He's basically a deadbeat dad. Uh, He's penniless. Right. So Billy's mom took in boarders to provide for her sons. Mm. Now, despite the better climate... Catherine became sicker and sicker. Her husband, William, abandoned Billy and Joseph just before their mother died of tuberculosis consumption on September 16th, 1874. Billy was 14. Okay. Now, I've read the boys were placed in separate foster homes. I've also read that Billy was out there just fending for himself. One thing is certain, their stepfather left for Arizona to strike it rich, and he left the two boys behind. Left them high and dry. At 14, the smooth-cheeked, blue-eyed Billy McCarty was forced to find work in a boarding house, washing dishes and waiting tables at the restaurant. Sarah Brown was the owner of the boarding house and gave him room and board in exchange for work. Gotcha. And... Billy was reported to be very friendly. Hmm. He was smart. He was funny. He had this magnetic personality. People really liked him. Yeah. And the manager was impressed by the young boy, saying that he was the only kid who ever worked there that didn't steal anything. <laughs> well. That's called portion. <laughs> <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> His school teachers thought that the young orphan was, quote, no more of a problem than any other boy, always quite willing to help with chores around the schoolhouse, end quote. Hmm. He's a good kid, basically. Yeah. Then on September 16th, 1875, Billy is caught stealing food. And 10 days later, he and another guy that lived at the boarding house with him, George Schaefer, it's his friend, they're arrested on September 23rd, 1875, because they robbed a Chinese laundry and stole clothes and two pistols. Okay. Well, basically, George robbed the store and Billy was the lookout. Gotcha. But two days after Billy was thrown in jail and on September 25th, Billy, a scrawny teen, escaped shimmying his way up the chimney of the jailhouse. <laughs> wow. And from that point onward, and for the rest of his life, Billy McCarty, Bill Bonnie, or Billy the Kid would be a fugitive. Wow. He's 15 years old. Yeah. But he's only going to make it to 21. Jeez. So he's going to pack a lot 
in the next six years. After this, he went looking for his stepfather escaping to Silver City. He lived with his stepdad for a little bit until Billy stole clothes and guns from him, and then his stepdad threw him out. And Billy left his stepfather and traveled 500 miles in the New Mexican desert all alone to southeastern Arizona Territory. Wow. Where he worked as a ranch hand and liked to gamble his wages in the nearby gaming houses. <laughs> wow, 15 years old. Yeah, he's fi- he's 15. Wow. But he's a hard worker. Yeah. He's a hard worker. And before we even get started, he's 15, going to live to be 21. He's a little guy. Yeah. He's he's short, he's thin, he has he has a baby face, blue eyes. Doesn't look like a man. Wow. Which is why they call him Billy, Billy the, the Kid. kid. Yeah. April 19th, 1876. He arrives near Camp Grant in the Arizona Territory. He was hired as a ranch hand by Henry Hooker, a well-known rancher. It's during this time he meets John R. Mackey, who was a Scottish-born criminal and former U.S. cavalry pirate who, after discharged stayed near the U.S. Army post at Camp Grant in Arizona. A cavalry pirate? A cavalry pirate. What might that be? I don't know, but when I read it, all I could think about was dances with wolves. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's just, he's this guy out in the middle of nowhere. Like a renegade. Yeah. Mackey was well known as a horse thief and a suspected murderer. And John and Billy started stealing horses together from local soldiers. Mm. Billy was known as the kid, just as we said, not just because he looked young. He was small, didn't have a beard, and he sort of had the personality of a kid. He was very, he cut up a lot. He was fun. Yeah, yeah, well. And men don't grow up, so yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of of like that old joke, you know, the kid goes to his mom and says, Mom, when I grow up, I want to be a musician. And she goes, looks at him and says, honey. You can't have both. Well, you can't grow up and be a, be a musician. Yeah, exactly. I prove that every day. <laughs> I like you just the way you are, honey. <laughs> Thanks, babe. On March 25th, 1877, Billy and Mackey are charged with stealing three horses belonging to soldiers. He's put in shackles. Wow. But he escapes while the guards are attending a local dance. <laughs> Uh, would you just shimmy out of the shackles? Just shimmied on out of the shackles. Wow. He eventually found work as an itinerant ranch hand and sheep herder in southeastern Arizona. Okay. In 1877, he became a civilian teamster at Camp Grant Army Post. Okay. He was hauling logs from a timber camp to a sawmill. Okay. Again, not afraid of hard work. Yeah. Also during this time, he started to call himself... William H. Bonney, Bill Bonney. Gotcha. And I'm sure that's because he's escaped from shackles and shimmied up chimneys. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. he doesn't want to be McCarty anymore. Not at all. Now, there was a civilian blacksmith that he worked with at the camp. His name was Frank Wendy Cahill. Wendy. W I N D Y, like. It's windy. <laughs> I wonder what that was about. Well, I could think of something, but it just made me think of the guys around the campfire <laughs> in Blazing Saddles. Small beans, please. Mm-hmm. Frank Windy Cahill. Mm-hmm. And Wendy liked to bully Billy. Okay. 
he liked to call him names. He liked to make fun of him. Mm. And he called him on more than one occasion. He called him a pimp. Yeah. To which Billy, in return, called him a son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Don't mess with the little guys, I'm telling you. Yeah, exactly. On August 17, 1877, Wendy K. Hill attacked Billy after a similar verbal exchange and threw him to the ground. These two are in a fisticuffs, where I read in one source, Wendy pinned him to the ground and repeatedly slapped him. Billy retaliated by drawing his gun and shooting Wendy Cahill. Wow. Who died the next day. Really? Yes. Wow. A witness said, quote, Billy had no choice. He had to use his equalizer, end quote. <laughs> That's pretty much of an equalizer. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, Billy McCarty was in custody, this time in the camp's guardhouse, awaiting the arrival of the local marshal. And before the marshal could arrive, however, Billy escaped. Oh, wow. He's good. Yeah. When he killed Wendy, this is actually Billy the Kid's first murder. Okay. Again on the run, Billy stole a horse and fled Arizona Territory for New Mexico Territory. But Apaches took the horse from him leaving him to walk many miles to the nearest settlement. Oh, wow. And at Fort Stanton in the Pecos Valley, he's starving and near death, and he went to the home of a friend and Seven Rivers Warriors gang member, John Jones, whose mama, Barbara, nursed him back to health. Wow. The Jones family developed a strong attachment to Billy and gave him one of their horses. Okay. Now, an outlaw and unable to find honest work, the kid met up with another bandit south of the Silver City named Jesse Evans, the leader of a gang of rustlers called The Boys. (laughs) That's original. The Boys. (laughs) The kid didn't have anywhere else to go, and since it was suicide to be alone in the hostile and lawless territory, the kid reluctantly joined the gang. Gotcha. He do- he wasn't really much of a joiner. He was really kind of on his own. Yeah, he was a loner. He was an expert at every type of gun, single and double action guns, and he was an exceptional horseman. Hmm. In late 1877, the kid is arrested and jailed in Lincoln County for possessing horses belonging to cattleman John Tunstall. Hmm. But when he's released... The kid actually goes to work for John, who is 24 years old. Wow. He works for him as a cowboy and a gunman on his ranch. Okay. So he stole from this guy, and this guy's like, this kid's pretty good. I think yeah. I, I need to have him on my side. Yeah, keep your enemies close. Yeah. And I think this is the first time since he was a young boy and his mother could take care of him that somebody actually took Billy the Kid under their wing. Right. February 18th, 1878, Tunstall leaves his ranch with the kid and four other men, transporting nine horses to Lincoln. And on their way, a posse, possibly including James Dolan, Billy Matthews, Jesse Evans, and Buckshot Roberts, (laughs) orders Tunstall's livestock seized on behalf of Sheriff Brady. Everybody had a nickname. They did. That's crazy. When Tunstall approaches the posse, members of the posse shoot and kill Tunstall. Hmm. And this event instigates what will become to known as the legendary 
Lincoln County War. Okay. The Lincoln County War was between two Irishmen, J.J. Dolan and John Riley, and two immigrant Englishmen, John Tunstall and his lawyer, Alex McSween, in which his newest friend and employer, John Tunstall, was killed. Gotcha. Now, Billy the Kid is deeply affected by the murder of Tunstall, and he claims that Tunstall was, exactly as I said, one of the only men who treated him like, quote, a freeborn white, end quote. Gotcha. And at Tunstall's funeral, Billy the Kid swore, quote, I'll get every son of a bitch who helped to kill John if it's mm. the last thing I do, end quote. Wow. He's a very loyal yeah. kid, too. Yep. Early March 1878, Dick Brewer, Tunstall's foreman, is appointed, quote, special constable, end quote, by Justice of the Peace John Wilson, giving Brewer the power to make arrests. And he immediately forms a group called the Regulators, hmm. a deputized posse that included Billy the Kid. Okay. The Regulators consider themselves a lawful posse with license to avenge the murder of John Tunstall, and they are paid $4 a day in their quest for revenge. Really? Yeah. Wow. So this whole time, so they're fighting over cattle and sheep and land. Right. And this John Tunstall guy is killed. And so now the regulators are like, that's the vigilantes. They're going for him. It's kind of like the uh, the old West version of West Side Story. They're the Jets. <laughs> when you're, you're a jet, but you're a jet. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> well, the regulators wasted little time capturing three members of Dolan's posse. Mm -hmm. Then en route to the jail in Lincoln, all three prisoners were killed. They couldn't even wow. wait to get into the jail. They're just like, yeah, we're done with you. Wow. Boom, boom, boom. Jeez. New Mexico Governor Samuel Beach Axtell visits Lincoln out of concern over the mayhem and cancels Squire Wilson's appointment as Justice of the Peace, effectively turning the regulators into outlaws. Wow. So one guy has said, okay, you guys can band together. You are a posse, and we're even going to pay you to do this. Right. And then when everything starts going sideways, they come in and they're like, nope, you can't do that anymore. And all those guys that you said were lawmen are now outlaws. Wow. Wild, wild west. Yeah, yeah. big time. On April 1st, 1878, when Brady and his deputies were just walking on the streets in Lincoln, the kid and five other regulators positioned themselves in a corral hidden by a 10-foot wall. As Sheriff Brady walks down the street, they open fire, killing him and a deputy in retaliation for Tunstall's death. Wow. Now, during the fight, the kid is shot in the thigh, but he escapes. Several more people are killed, but in the courtrooms, only regulators are indicted for any of the murders. So other people joined in, but it's like, well, we don't care about them because we're only after the regulators. Right, right. Now, it's not known if Billy the Kid was the one who actually shot Sheriff Brady. There were seven or eight other regulators out there. So who knows if it was his bullet that did the trick. Sure. But on the federal warrant indictment, it was Billy whose name was on the indictment. Really? As the murderer. wonder why it was just him. Because he's Billy the Kid. Okay. Yeah. All right. I guess because he said, I'm going to get all you sons of bitches. Yeah. And someone's like, oh, I heard that. Must yeah. have been him. 
Three days later, Buckshot Roberts tr- tracks the regulators down. Both he and Dick Brewer will be killed. Hmm. Over the next three months, the violence escalates on both sides. July 15th, 1878, the fighting peaks with the Five-Day War. In Lincoln, 60 regulators fight a gun battle against James Dolan, Sheriff George Pepin, and about 40 other men. So it really is the Wild West. It's just shootouts all the time. It's like war. In July 19th, 1878, after five days of fighting, Army cavalry and infantry companies ride into Lincoln with a rapid-fire Gatling gun. Good Lord. 2,000 rounds of ammunition and a 12-pound mountain howitzer. Oh, my God. And despite claiming that they're remaining neutral, (laughs) they come in with all this firepower. It's the Army. We're neutral. Yeah. They aim their cannon at the regulators and threaten to, quote, blow the house away, end quote, if anyone inside fires. Wow. As you might imagine, several regulators are like, we out. Yeah. (laughs) I'm gone. Tapping out. They flee. And now their numbers are down to just 13. So they had 60. Right. And then they brought in a howitzer. Yeah. Yeah, that howitzer trumps your 60. I think it trumps everything. Yeah. The rapid fire machine. Yeah. Jeez. Sheriff Pepin surrounds the house, setting it on fire and calling for surrender. Taking command, the kid tries to save the others by making a run for it and causing a diversion. He's like, I'm going to save you guys. I'm going to run. They'll come after me. Right. And you guys save yourselves. Gotcha. But it's not successful. During the firefight, later dubbed the Big Killing, most of the remaining regulators are killed, and the Dolan faction claims victory, and all the Tunstan principals were dead. Hmm. Save one. (laughs) Billy the Kid. Wow. Now, an even more wanted man than before, Billy the Kid goes into hiding. Gotcha. But he soon starts to steal livestock from white ranchers and Apache on the Mescalero Reservation. Okay. I hope I said that right. <laughs> it's close enough. Billy and three others from the Battle of Lincoln were near the Mescalero Indian Agency when the bookkeeper, Morris Bernstein, which I thought was kind of funny, the Apache keep bookkeeper is Morris Bernstein, yeah, yeah. was murdered on August 5th, 1878. They had absolutely nothing to do with this murder, but all four are indicted for the murder, even though there was evidence that he was killed by Constable Martinez. Really? They're just piling it on. Must be Billy the Kid. Must be Billy the Kid. Yeah, he's getting a reputation for something. He is. Yeah, okay. Later, three of the indictments were dropped, but not Billy's. Wow. On September 30th, 1878, President Rutherford B. Hayes appoints Lou Wallace as governor of the New Mexico Territory in hopes that he can restore some order. Okay. So the retired Union General, Lou Wallace, became the new territorial governor of New Mexico. On November 13th, 1878, Wallace proclaimed an amnesty for any man involved in the Lincoln County War that was not already under indictment to restore peace to Lincoln County. Okay. Not already under indictment. Well, I was going to say, that doesn't include Billy. Doesn't include Billy. Billy is, of course, under several indictments. Sure. Some of which were unrelated to the Lincoln County War. 
But still, Lou Wallace was intrigued by rumors that Billy the Kid would surrender and testify against other combatants if amnesty could be extended to him. Gotcha. On February 18th, 1879, the one-year anniversary of his friend John Tunston's murder, the kid and four others ride into Lincoln to meet with Jimmy Dolan and four of his men. Okay. The meeting nearly turns violent, but ultimately both sides meet in the center of the road. They shake hands. They signed an agreement to stop testifying against or killing each other. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys yeah. coming together. Okay, I promise I won't kill you. Yeah, we're going to sign this now. All right, all right. It's also agreed that if anyone violates the pact, quote, he should be killed on sight. Wow. End quote. That's a, that's a pretty uh, ironclad contract. Yeah. <laughs> In Lincoln... The kid and another outlaw watched as attorney Houston Chapman was shot and his corpse set on fire. Wow. According to eyewitnesses, the pair were innocent bystanders forced at gunpoint by Jesse Evans to witness the murder. Bill wrote to the governor to Lou Wallace on March 13, 1879, with an offer to provide information on the Chapman murder in exchange for... Amnesty. Right. Okay. Quote, I have no wish to fight anymore. Indeed, I have not raised an arm since your proclamation. As to my character, I refer to any of the citizens, for the majority of them are my friends and have been helping me all they could. I am called Kid Antrim, but Antrim is my stepfather's name. Waiting for an answer, I remain your obedient servant, Billy the Kid. Hmm. On March 15th, Governor Wallace replied, agreeing to a secret meeting at Squire Wilson's house in Lincoln to discuss the situation. Okay. Quote, I have the authority to exempt you from prosecution if you will testify to what you know. If you could trust Jesse Evans, you can trust me. End quote. Why don't I believe that? Because he's not going to follow through with it. Not so. Billy. Yeah. Lou Wallace. Yeah, exactly. He met with Wallace in Lincoln on March 17, 1879. True to form, Billy greeted the governor with a revolver in one hand and a Winchester rifle in the other. <laughs> By the way, a Winchester was his was his weapon of choice. Was it? Yeah. After several days to think the issue over, Billy agreed to testify and return for amnesty. Now, during the meeting and in subsequent correspondence, Wallace promised Billy protection from his enemies and clemency if he would offer his testimony to a grand jury. Okay. April 1879, the kid appears before the grand jury and testifies that Jimmy Dolan and Billy Campbell killed Chapman. In return, quote, I will let you go scot-free with a pardon in your pockets for all your misdeeds, end quote. Okay. This is what... Lou Wallace tells the kid. They have a gentleman's agreement. Gentleman's agreement. Yeah. After having seen the kid interact with the public, Lou Wallace realizes, hey, he's a popular guy. Everybody mm -hmm. likes Billy the Kid. Yeah. Now, part of the agreement was for Billy to submit to a show arrest, make it look like they got to arrest him, and a short stay in jail 
until his courtroom testimony. Okay. Now, even though his testimony helped to indict one of the influential House faction leaders, John Dolan, the district attorney defied Wallace's order, Governor Wallace's order, to set Billy free after testifying. Oh, really? And Governor Lou Wallace didn't do anything about it. <sighs> and I read in one account that Lou was too busy writing his book, Ben Hur. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ. It's a no novel way. by Lou Wallace. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was published by Harper and Brothers on November 12, 1880, wow. and is considered, quote, the most influential Christian book of the 19th century, end quote. I'm sure that was on the back cover or something. Yeah, yeah. It became a best-selling American novel, surpassing Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. Wow. Yeah. It took seven years for Wallace to write this. So he didn't really care. I don't think he cared what else was going on. He was very into his own thing. Right. So, but it, it took him seven years to write it. It would be another hundred years before it became the Oscar winning film. Mm. But back to Billy, mm -hmm. he did his part. Right. But Lou Wallace didn't hold up his end of the deal. And Billy apparently wanted to start a ranch on the Panasco River. Rio Panasco is a 40-mile-long stream located in the Pecos River watershed. Okay. However, Billy was a skilled escape artist, and he slipped out of his handcuffs and fled on June 17, 1879. You're going to keep me here when you're not supposed to? I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm out of here. He went back to his life of crime, stealing horses, stealing cattle, including the cattle of the most famous rancher, John Chisholm. Mm. Sometimes you just don't want to steal the wrong person's stuff. <laughs> yeah. He was just doing his thing for the next couple of years, stealing, gambling, falling into the bed of a woman, usually Paulita Maxwell. Hmm. Paulita Maxwell was born in Mora, New Mexico in 1864. She and her brother Pete lived in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Pete Maxwell was a wealthy rancher and Paulita would have lived a very comfortable life. Rumors flew in the small town of that summer that Paulita and Billy were romantically involved. Oh, wow. And many accounts from witnesses at the time said she was, quote, head over heels for Billy. No. In the summer of 1879, the kid rides to New Mexico, arriving in Las Vegas, Las Vegas, New Mexico, not Las Vegas, Vegas. Okay. Arriving in Las Vegas, New Mexico, where according to his friend Henry Hoyt, the kid actually had dinner with notorious Missouri outlaw, Jesse James. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. In early 1880, back in New Mexico, the kid poses awkwardly for the one and only photo that will ever be taken of Billy the Kid. I think I've seen that photo. And Billy's lover, Paulita Maxwell, later claims that she never liked the picture because, it, quote, did not do him justice, mm. end quote. <laughs> That's love. That's love. <laughs> then on January 10th, 1880, Billy got into a spot of trouble again when he shot and killed a newcomer to the area, according to one source, a local drunk named Joe Grant at Hargrove's Saloon in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. According to contemporary sources, Billy had been warned that Grant intended to kill him. So he walked up to Grant, told him he admired his revolver, and asked to examine it. 
and Grant handed it over to him. But before returning the pistol, which he noticed contained only three bullets, mm-hmm. Billy the Kid positioned the cylinder so the next hammer fall would land on an empty chamber. And Grant suddenly pointed his pistol at Billy the Kid's face and pulled the trigger. And when it failed to fire, (laughs) Billy pulled his own gun and shot Grant in the head. Wow. And a reporter for the Las Vegas Optic quoted Billy the Kid as saying the encounter was, quote, was a game of two, and I got there first, end quote. (laughs) For the next year, he hung around Fort Sumner on the Pecos River and developed a fateful relationship with a local bartender named Pat Garrett, who was later elected sheriff of Lincoln County. And as sheriff, Garrett would be charged with arresting his friend, Billy the Kid, who by now was just known as Billy the Kid. He had dropped the Bill Bonney, the Bill McCarty, everything. They just called him the Kid or Billy the the Kid. At about the same time, Billy had formed a gang referred to as the Rustlers or simply Billy the Kid's gang, who survived by stealing and rustling as he did before. The core members of the gang were Tom O'Fallard, Charlie Baudry, Tom Pickett, Billy the Kid, Dirty Dave Rudabaugh, (laughs) and Billy Wilson. (laughs) Just love these names. Dirty Dave. Yeah, I know. On November 27, 1880, a posse tracks the kid and his gang back to a ranch between Vegas and White Oaks where a gun battle breaks out. A popular White Oaks blacksmith, Jim Carlisle, is shot while entering the house to discuss terms of surrender with the kid. Both sides blame the other for Carlisle's death. He's just being the liaison. Okay. By the fall of 1880, Billy was still trying to convince the governor of a pardon, although continuing his outlaw activities wasn't helping him any. (laughs) During his time, his notoriety with the newspapers was happening all across the country, from New York all the way out to New Mexico Territory. Everybody knew who Billy the Kid was. He was the most important outlaw of New Mexico. It's amazing. On November 30th, 1880, Billy the Kid's gang, David Anderson, a.k.a. Billy Wilson and Dirty Dave Rudabaugh, rode into White Oaks, New Mexico, and ran into Deputy Sheriff James Redmond. Redmond hid behind a saloon, taking shots as several local citizens ran into the street, chasing the fugitives out of town. On December 12, 1880, the kid writes Governor Wallace and vigorously denies that he or any of his men shot Jim Carlisle. Mm-hmm. And despite the kid's pleas of innocence, Wallace publishes a notice in the New Mexico newspapers three days later. Wow. It was a $500 reward. It, there was a price on Billy the Kid's head. Man. Notice is hereby given that $500 reward will be paid for the delivery of Bonnie alias the kid to the sheriff of Lincoln County. Was it a dead or alive? (laughs) I think it was dead or alive. Yeah, I'm sure. Five days later, Sheriff Pat Garnett and his men ambushed the regulators after luring them back into town with false information. But the kid escapes back to his hideout with most of his gang intact. He is slippery. Mm. They can't keep a hold of this guy. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because they're not very smart and he's pretty cunning or or he's just lucky. I think it's a combination of both. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. On December 15th, 1880, Governor Wallace put this $500 reward on Billy's head, and Pat Garrett, his friend, began a relentless pursuit of the outlaw. Hmm. Garrett set up many traps and ambushes to apprehend Billy, but the kids seemed to have an animal instinct that warned him of danger. Hmm. But it's not to last. Uh-oh. Trailed by the persistent Garrett, Billy the Kid, Billy Wilson, Rudabaugh, Tom O'Folliard, Charlie Beaudry, and Tom Pickett rode warily into Fort Sumner, New Mexico on December 19, 1880, and were confronted by Garrett's posse, which had been hiding in an old post hospital building. Okay. Pat Garrett. Lon Chambers and several others leapt from cover as Garrett ordered the outlaws to halt. However, several posse members didn't wait for the outlaws to respond to Garrett's demand, instead opening fire on Pickett and O'Falliard, who were riding in the front. Okay. And although Pickett survived to escape, O'Falliard lay dead in the street and Rudabaugh's horse caught a bullet and collapsed. So he managed to jump onto Wilson's horse and he and the other outlaws escaped, holing up in an abandoned cabin near Stinking Springs, New Mexico. Okay. So they are constantly on on the the run. run. Yeah, exactly. And stealing cattle and stealing horses and constantly on the run. That's their job every day. Apparently that is their job. Yeah. Soon the determined Garrett's posse tracked the outlaws down and surrounded the hideout. Inside the house were Billy the Kid, Charlie Beaudry, Dave Rudabaugh, Tom Pickett, and Billy Wilson. Okay. And when Beaudry passed before an open window, he's shot in the chest. And the siege continued until the next day when Rudabaugh finally waved a white flag. Hmm. And the bandits surrendered, allegedly drawn out by the aroma of bacon and beans (laughs) from Garrett's posse. Now that I can get behind. (laughs) Billy the Kid and his gang of wrestlers were captured on December 23rd, 1880. Billy was taken first to a jail in Las Vegas, New Mexico, then to Santa Fe and eventually to Masilla. On April 8, 1881, the trial for the murder of Sheriff Brady begins in Santa Fe. Albert Jennings Fountain, who had written all these horrible editorials about Billy and his former gang, is the guy who's chosen to be his attorney. That's who's going to represent him. A guy what? who hates him. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Deliberation took precisely one day. And Billy was convicted of murdering Sheriff William Brady and sentenced to hang by Judge Warren Bristol. According to legend, upon sentencing, the judge told Billy the Kid McCarty he was going to hang until he was, quote, dead, dead, dead. (laughs) And the kid's response was, you can go to hell, hell, hell. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) According to the historical record, he did not speak after the reading of his sentence, but that is a good story. Mm-hmm. His execution was scheduled for May 13th, and he was sent to Lincoln to await this date. He will be the only person convicted for any crimes from the Lincoln County War. Really? Now, remember, he has asked over and over again yeah. for amnesty. Yeah. And then he even testified yep. and was supposed to get it. Yeah. Didn't get it. Wow. 
The Las Vegas Gazette ran a story from a jailhouse interview with him after he's captured. And when a reporter asked Billy the Kid, you really seem like you're relaxed. Billy the Kid said, quote, what's the use of looking on the gloomy side of everything? The laugh's on me this time, end quote. (laughs) Wow. At least he had a good sense of humor. He does. Everybody liked him. Yeah. Now, during his short career as an outlaw, Billy the Kid was the subject of numerous United States newspaper articles, some as far away as New York City and even across the pond. Mm. He was under guard at that time by James Bell and Robert Olinger on the top floor of the building formerly known as the House before and during the Lincoln County War. Okay. Now, on April 28th, Billy somehow escaped and killed both of his guards Wow! while Garrett was out of town. Okay. And here's how it happened. I don't know how they say somehow, (laughs) but he asked to be taken outside to use the outhouse behind the courthouse. And on their return to the jail, the kid who was walking ahead of Bell up the stairs to his cell hit around a blind corner, slipped out of his handcuffs, and beat Bell with the loose end of the cuffs. So he, like, pistol-whipped him wow. af- with the handcuffs after Jeez. he took him off. That, I mean, he had to been very fast at getting all that stuff off. To- very fast. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. During the ensuing scuffle, Billy grabbed Bell's revolver and fatally shot him in the back mm. as Bell tried to get away. Wow. Now, the kid still has his legs shackled, but he breaks into Garrett's office and takes a loaded shotgun that's left behind, and he waited at the upstairs window for Olinger to respond to the gunshot that killed Bell. Like, everybody could hear it. Yeah. They'd gone across the street to eat. I read that they were just off eating, and then he kills the, he kills Bell. Mm-hmm. Everybody can hear the gunshot. So he's waiting for him to come back over. And when he does, Billy the Kid calls out to him, quote, look up, old boy, and see what you get, end quote. (laughs) Wow. And when Olinger looked up, Billy the Kid shot him and killed him. Wow. Now, after about an hour, Billy the Kid freed himself from the leg irons with an axe. He obtained a horse and rode out of town. And according to some stories, he was singing as he left Lincoln. (laughs) Gee whiz. So foiled again. Yeah. Out of jail again. Yep. Now, while Billy the Kid was on the run, Governor Wallace placed a new $500 bounty on his head. Almost three months after his escape, Garrett, responding to rumors that the kid was in the vicinity of Fort Sumner, the rumor was that Paulita Maxwell... His girlfriend was pregnant Mm. with Billy the Kid's child. Okay. So they go to check this out. Okay. Now, here's where it gets a little hinky for me. All right. Late that night, they left Lincoln with two deputies on July 14th, 1881, to question resident Pete Maxwell. Okay. That's Paulita's brother. Ah. And he's supposed to be a friend of Billy's. Pete Maxwell and Paulita were the children of land baron Lucian Maxwell. And Pete spoke with Garrett the same day for several hours. So this is the guy who's looking to find Billy the Kid and kill him. Okay. 
Around midnight, these two sit in Maxwell's darkened bedroom, and Billy the Kid unexpectedly entered the room. Mm -hmm. He has no shirt. He has no shoes. He's got his pants on. He has no gun. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, he's coming from Paulita's room. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And he's walking into her brother's room. Yeah. And he's he's just basically in, in nothing, just his pants. And right. the kid didn't recognize Garrett in the poor lighting. It's really dark in this bedroom. And he's like sitting on the edge of the bed. He's sitting on the edge of Paulita's brother's bed. Right. And in Spanish, the kid says, who is it? Who is it? He says it twice. Quien es? To which Garrett responded with two shots from his revolver. The first striking Billy's heart, oh. the other one missed. So did Paulita's brother set up Billy the Kid to die because he got his sister pregnant? Was it to keep him away from his sister? Hard to tell. Or the $500. Or was it the $500? <laughs> a few hours after the shooting, a local justice of the peace assembled a coroner's jury of six people The jury members interviewed Maxwell and Garrett and Billy the Kid's body and the location of the shooting were all examined. The jury certified the body as Billy the Kid. Mm -hmm. And according to a local newspaper, the jury foreman said, quote, it was the kid's body that we examined, end quote. Billy the Kid was given a wake by candlelight. He was buried the next day and his grave was denoted with a wooden marker. So a coroner's jury rules that the kid's death was justifiable homicide. Right. In the afternoon, a procession follows the wagon carrying the coffin to nearby Fort Sumner Cemetery. The kid is buried near two of his fallen brethren. All seems very quick. All seems very hush-hush. Right. Now, five days after the kid's killing, Garrett traveled to Santa Fe, New Mexico to collect his $500 rewarded by Governor... Lou Wallace, for his capture, dead or alive. Right. And William G. Rich, the acting New Mexico governor, refused to pay the reward. What? Wouldn't pay the reward. Why not? Just wouldn't. Didn't care. Wow. Over the next few weeks, the residents of Las Vegas, Mesilla, Santa Fe, White Oaks, and other New Mexico cities raised over $7,000 in reward money for Garrett. A year and four days after the kid's death, the New Mexico Territorial Legislature passed a special act to grant Garrett the $500 bounty (laughs) reward promised by Governor Lou Wallace. Wow. In August 1881, by railroad and telegraph lines, the news of the kid's death traveled worldwide. The Times of London ran a reprint of his obituary. Wow. Garrett receives international acclaim, and the kid's story makes headlines in hundreds and hundreds of newspapers. In early 1882, pulp novel The Authentic Life of Billy the Kid immortalizes Billy the Kid in legend, although the author appears as Pat Garrett, the man who shot him. A newspaper journalist ghost wrote the book. Gotcha. Which is actually more myth than fact, according to all of the Billy the Kid historians. Really? In his short life, Billy the Kid was reported to have killed 21 men, one for each year of his life. However, many historians calculate the figure closer to nine, four on his own and five with the help of others. Right. 
Over a hundred years later, in 2010, New Mexico, Governor Bill Richardson considered honoring the 1879 promise of pardoning the kid made by then-Governor Lou Wallace. Hmm. But then Richardson backed off the idea, citing, quote, historical ambiguity, end quote, <laughs> surrounding Wallace's pardon. Gotcha. Didn't want to get into that too far. Yeah, let's not open that can of worms. But that was the end of William Henry McCarty, a.k.a. Bill Bonney, a.k.a. Billy the Kid. Or was it? Hmm. Over time, legends grew claiming that Billy the Kid was not killed that day. Really? And that Garrett staged the incident and death out of friendship so that Billy the Kid could evade the law. Now, remember, really? they were friends before, sure. right? yeah. Now, during the next 50 years, a number of men claimed they were Billy the Kid. Most of these claims were easily disproven. Right. But two have remained topics of discussion and debate. Wow. In 1948, a Central Texas man, Ollie P. Roberts, also known as Brushy Bill Roberts, mm -hmm. began claiming he was Billy the Kid and went before New Mexico Governor Thomas J. Mabry seeking a pardon. Hmm. Mabry dismissed Roberts' claims, and Roberts died shortly after. According to a museum in Heiko, Texas, Brushy Bill lived out a peaceful life in central Texas in the town of Heiko until he suffered a heart attack while walking to the post office in 1950 at the age of 90. Okay. Up until his death, Brushy Bill maintained that he was Billy the Kid. Hmm. Heiko's Billy the Kid Museum speculates that Billy moved to Texas in 1883, two years after his supposed death in New Mexico. He went by the name William Henry Roberts, but most folks just called him Brushy Bill. <laughs> Sue Land, director of the Billy the Kid Museum in Heiko, says the best piece of evidence that Billy the Kid escaped from Fort Sumner unscathed is Pat Garrett's own deputy. Quote, when the deputy United States Marshal that was with Pat Garrett at the time rolled the body over, he looked up at Pat Garrett. It's recorded in the Marshal's office in New Mexico that he told Pat Garrett, quote, you've killed the wrong man. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. They're saying that because Garrett shot in the dark, it's likely that he mistakenly shot another man that night. The man Garrett killed reportedly had... A full beard. Oh. And Billy the Kid only had peach fuzz. Wow. Unwilling to admit his mistake, Garrett identified the young man as Billy the Kid and buried him. It's him. <laughs> Let's put him in the ground. Move on. He was going to bury Billy the Kid no matter what, and that's what he did. Wow. Now, as for the evidence that Brushy Bill was the kid, it all comes down to a man named William Morrison. He was a probate investigator who had been hired by Joe Hines, one of the kid's former associates. Hines told Morrison that Billy was still alive and living in Texas. And intrigued by the idea that one of history's most notorious criminals had cheated death once more, Morrison traveled to Texas to meet with Brushy Bill. Okay. And Brushy Bill told him, I'm Billy the Kid, and he said, help me prove it so that he could get the pardon 
that he'd been promised right. back in the 1800s by the governor of New Mexico. Right. Still in need of convincing, Morrison sought further proof that Brushy was telling the truth. Quote, the first thing they did was check the wounds and scars on Brushy's body. They matched every known wound. Really? That Billy the Kid was to have. Wow. Quote, I don't know any man that would go out and put five bullet scars on his body so he could match up with somebody else. Yeah. End quote. Yeah. Wow. Now, Brushy Bill never received his pardon because New Mexico officials didn't believe he was actually Billy the Kid. Right. And while Brushy Bill's story has gained support over the years, there are tons of people who are very skeptical. Part of that is because in Brushy Bill's family Bible, they list his birth year as 1879. And if the birth date is accurate, it would be impossible for him to be Billy the Kid. Gotcha. But what if he took over his identity? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's pretty hard to replicate all the injuries. It would be very hard to do that. Yeah. The only way to solve the mystery is to perform a DNA test on the remains of Brushy Bill and the body buried in Billy the Kid's New Mexico grave. Okay. Then scientists can match the results with a DNA sample taken from the body of Billy the Kid's mother, Catherine Antrim. Sure. In 2003, Texas and New Mexico officials attempted to do just that. There was just one problem. <laughs> what was that? All the grave markers in Fort Sumner Cemetery were washed away in a 1904 flood. Ugh. So if the real Billy the Kid is buried in New Mexico, nobody knows where the body is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Brushy Bill is buried 20 minutes outside of Heiko in Hamilton, Texas. Brushy still gets plenty of visitors, many leaving him coins and bullet casings in honor of his outlaw status. Hmm. And though Brushy Bill Roberts' claim takes on more twists and turns than a Texas country road and many historians doubt his claims, outlaw Billy the Kid is still one of the most beloved figures of the Old West. <laughs> and he's still keeping people guessing. That's, that's amazing. Quote, he was an outlaw and a killer, according to everything that was written about him. Well, we're not rooting for the killer. We're rooting for the 14-year-old kid to have made it out and to have had a life. <laughs> I mean, they've tried to exhume all of this stuff to get DNA, and they just, they just can't do it. Yeah. And as of 2012, nobody's body had been exhumed. Time to put it to rest. Now, there's only one authenticated photograph of Billy the Kid. All others thought to be him have been disputed. It was taken by an unknown portrait photographer in late 1879 or early 1880. The image shows Billy the Kid wearing a vest under a sweater, a slouch hat, and a bandana while holding an 1873 Winchester rifle with its butt resting on the floor. Hmm. And for years, this was the only photograph scholars and historians agreed was actually Billy the Kid. Right. And this this picture actually survived because Billy the Kid's friend, Dan Dedrick, kept it after the outlaw's death. It was passed down through his family and copied several times, appearing in numerous publications during the 20th century. Okay. Then in June of 2011, the original plate was bought at auction for $2.3 million wow. by businessman William Cock. Wow. As for Paulita, the love of Billy the Kid's life, she died of pancreatic cancer mm -hmm. in December 
1927. She was 65 years old. So did he make it out? (laughs) Did he live a long life until he was 90? Yeah. Or did he die that day? And was Paulita's brother the reason? Right. Or did Paulita's brother set up another man to take the fall? Who knows? It's also it's also gray. It was the Wild West. Yeah. The Wild Wild West. Yeah. But that is the story of the slippery Billy the Kid. And that's all I have to say about that. Hey, Hitch to Homicide listeners. The wait is over. If you're a reader or a fan of my Sex and Lies series, Book 10, Sex, Lies, and Rock and Roll is now available on Amazon. With a successful tour and two years of sobriety under his belt, rock star Noah Hart is ready to put his secrets and the past behind him. That is, until his former bandmates and business partners are murdered one by one, and suddenly he becomes the prime suspect. When FBI agent Louisa Hathaway is assigned to the case, No one, including her partner, is aware she carries her own secrets, including an undeniable infatuation with rock and roll's bad boy, Noah Hart. As the body count rises, Agent Hathaway is torn between unraveling the truth and falling for the man who might be the killer. Don't miss this new book, Sex, Lies, and Rock and Roll, by me, Chris Calvert. Only on Amazon. Rock and roll will never die, but it might kill you. You know, I said earlier that I love all the nicknames and everything in the mm-hmm. Old West. You know, yeah. it was a good thing that I wasn't born in that period of time because <laughs> the only nickname I ever had was "I'd rather be dead than red on the head." Red, yeah. So just call you Red. Red Rob. Red Rob. <laughs> That's right, Red Rob. That's what they would have called you. Yep. yep. Red Rob. So anyway, well, we'll probably never know. We're never, we're never going to know. Yeah. We're never going to know. And you know what? He died just as he lived. He's slippery. Yeah. Very slippery. Yeah. That's crazy. But he did not kill 21 people. Yeah. So there's so much folklore around him. Yeah. That's a great story. All right. Well, let's move along, shall we? Nothing yep. to see here. <laughs> let's do a little bless your heart. All right, our first bless your heart this week is the case of the returned merchandise. Oh, I used to work retail. This happens. Yep. Okay. A Target store in Augusta, Georgia, agreed to take back a printer from a dissatisfied customer. But the clerk noticed some work the customer forgot to remove from the machine. Okay. Like they left paper in it? Counterfeit bills. <laughs> uh, subsequently, the police were called. They tracked him down, and he was arrested. What kind of pay, what kind of printer can you buy at Target that'll make counterfeit bills? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm That's sure. pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, I'm sure Lincoln was on the one dollar bill, so I don't think it made any difference. Okay, number two. Uh, what did I come in here for? We've That's all, me every day. Yeah, we've all had times where we walk into a room and say to ourselves, what did I come in here for? What? Yeah. What if I told you a thief got caught because he forgot to take the money that he came in to rob? Oh, man. This would be me. A gunman once broke into a convenience store in Indiana, tied up the cashier, and fled. 
but he left behind the money. When he realized his mistake, he went back. Unfortunately for him, by that time, the door had automatically locked with the loot just sitting there staring at him as police arrested him. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't pay to be stupid. No, 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 no. Okay, number three. Bless his heart. Yes, bless his heart. Number three, Schwinner, Schwinner, chicken dinner. Oh, my. <laughs> what is this? Marquis Moore, a 57-year-old man from Richmond, California, is a serial bike thief. Oh, okay. After investigating Moore's home, they found he had been systematically stealing bikes, bike equipment, a few other things. The list includes 10 bicycles, 57 bicycle tires, 24 bicycle wheels, 21 bike seats, four bicycles frames, a gun, and ammunition. <laughs> just the gun was just like a bonus, apparently. Yeah. So how did he get caught? He tried to sell a bike online through Craigslist to the person he had He's stolen, stolen it, it from. from. <laughs> it's Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, it is. That's it my is. bike. <laughs> and this last one, number four, is my favorite. Don't mess with her waffles. Are you talking about me, by chance? <laughs> uh, I, f- I feel seen. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. A woman in Florida apparently called 911 because someone at the Village Inn served her, quote, raw waffles. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. Well, this kind of serves as a sad reminder to all of us that half the population is well below average intelligence. Oh, my gosh. I'm calling 911 because my waffles aren't done. The 911 call was posted by the Tampa Police Department where you can hear a woman calling police to report that she was served uncooked waffles at the Village Inn restaurant. They gave me raw waffles and I told them I don't want the waffles. Based on what they said in the YouTube description, this call was placed on January 30th, 2013. Okay. Yeah. She's still waiting for her waffles, probably. Yeah, this is where you commence the facepalm. And yeah, I mean, seriously, who calls 911 over waffles? Not me. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like pizza. Yeah. Even bad pizza is good pizza. Even a, even a bad waffle's got to be a good waffle. <laughs> I'm telling you. If you put enough maple syrup on it, it is. <laughs> exactly. Just Come on, just man. cover it up. Waffles are a privilege. <laughs> Stop acting like that. Act like you know better. Yeah. Act like you've been there before. Yeah. Act like you've been to breakfast before exactly well if you have a bless your heart or you need a waffle that's well done yep. all you got to do is go to hitchtohomicide.com there's a pull down menu where you can also suggest a case yes. we love that very much yes we do that's all we have today that's my amazing husband out there and that's my beautiful bride in the booth join us next time on hitch to homicide <laughs> bye y'all <laughs>